welcome to episode four, <laughs> Emotions Apart. Um, I'm Margo. I'm Gabby. And today we're introducing a new thing. A new but, segment. A new segment. But, but whoa, 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 I know what you're thinking. You're like, but I've never seen Pam and Tommy. Well, that's okay. Just get spoils. Like, don't leave. We have very few listeners. We can't afford to lose them. We can't afford to lose them. So and just also, stick it's around. A historical event. It's a historical <laughs> event. It's not like you don't already know what happened. Like, it. that's like me turning around and being like, I'm going to spoil Hamilton on you. Like, that doesn't make any sense because it already happened. But like, if you've never seen- This okay. ain't euphoria. You know what? I didn't spoil it. I didn't say anything. You didn't say anything. I, I appreciate it. I was it. very good. I did not spoil you it. You were very good. Um, also, I might add that this is like an episode that I think we're very prepared for. Like, shocking. On the grand scheme of things, like we we have, um, Margo called this journalism <laughs> 20 minutes ago. And you know what? I can't disagree because frankly, we do more research than probably half probably more of the journalists at Fox News. So I just, um, ooh, yeah. Not the finger lick and the, like a dad, (laughs) like my dad does. (laughs) I'm becoming a connoisseur of dad puns. You do give off more dad vibes than mom vibes. And I mean, that is a compliment. Oh, I appreciate that. You give off dad vibes for sure, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I can... I see it. I do. I, I think it's the puns and the obsessions over little things. I think it's the dad that vibes. That might be it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally. I can do dad vibes. I like dad jokes. I mean, they're so fun. They're clever. I'll give them that. They are, in fact, clever. Mic drop. Ah, mics. <laughs> yeah, we tried to upgrade the show today. We have fancy mics that we're trying to use. So if it sounds if, worth, worth, worse, dude, it sounds, get your ass away from the microphone because you, there you go. Speak again. Sorry. Worse. Is this better? Yes. I'm so sorry. Better. Um, you'll have to turn. You were like, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's something about there being a mic in my face that I just want to get closer to it closer to it I think everyone does that and as well you see all the musicians being like you know when they get really passionate they're literally spitting into the microphone and so today we're introducing our new segment um under that we're very excited about very excited about we've wanted this for a while it's very this is a very you know classic podcasting trope of covering a show you know we're basic we're basic bitches but we stick to a theme we stick we to our theme. And so our new segment is called Under the Scene. Under the scene. Scene. Like that. Like that. I will I, I will be trying to to actually insert the under the sea theme. Like not for long, literally for five seconds. Because we don't need Disney to sue our asses. Do you think there's somebody that works at Disney? That just goes around the internet trying to find podcasts that are using snippets of music. You know, do you think someone gets paid like $80,000 a year to do that? They wouldn't get paid I mean, that much, like $20,000 a year. <laughs> that's probably that's still too much. that's your only job, 
that's still a lot because you're listening to podcasts all day that would be terrible that would you're just like in a dark space listening to podcasts for tiny bits of unless it's our podcast in which case welcome i hope you're getting good healthcare benefits (laughs) (laughs) um anyway under the scene um this is going to be our television and movie review slash opinion slash discussion slash Socratic seminar Socratic (laughs) seminar I like it Um, yes because we are committed by the way when we made this podcast we are committed to it being at least 50% highbrow now (laughs) it's our version of highbrow by the way yeah you know as we know about highbrow highbrow is very subjective and so what we say is highbrow we can say is highbrow and you know I spent a lot of time researching this thing okay I read the original article so we'll get into it later but I did come across uh Tommy Lee's penis for this so really okay okay we'll get into it but you saying come across makes it seem like you didn't look go looking for it that makes it seem like you were in a goodwill and you were just going through the shirt rack and was like oh Tommy Lee's penis what are you doing there like that is not what occurred (laughs) that is not what happened (laughs) no anywho if you haven't heard already (laughs) if the title didn't spoil it for you we're covering hulu's pam and tommy starring sebastian stan and lily james and Um, nick oferman and seth rogan seth rogan which we'll get into seth rogan we'll get into it so margo why don't you give so what is your five what is your what is my ocean rating my oceans apart what is your oceans apart rating of Pam and Tommy. Well, I'm so glad you asked. So we're going to try this spoiler free real quick. I'm going to try even though, as Gabby has said, it's a historical event, but I think you can spoil a historical event. You know, you you can. It's like turning around and being like, you won't believe how the 1916 rising in Ireland against the British ended. Actually, no, I think that is because, you know, history is written by the victors. So like anti-racism, it's like, no, we did that oh I didn't know because my history books didn't tell me and so like I think you can still be surprised by history in like a not cute fun way anywho so I gave Pam and Tommy um a blob fish cruise I gave it a two out of five um the first few episodes were a joyride they were a good time but by the end um I just got increasingly peeved at the focus on one specific character who we will get into that character is played is called Rand. That character is played by Seth Rogen. We'll get into it. But um, I was not a fan of that considering the show was called Pam and Tommy. Drove me a little bonkers. Um, also, it just tonally was kind of weird, kind of sussy. Didn't know what to do about it. We'll talk about it. Um, and so, yeah, I gave it a two out of five, um, a blobfish cruise. In terms of chilies, um, oh God. Okay, so like the first few episodes, I would say like, are like four or five chilies just because of one specific scene that we will get into. That's just a little intense. But then for the rest of the show, I'd say like maybe a two or three kind of lower end of the scale. Um, so yeah, 
That's my rating. Gabby, go. Nope, she's still chewing, folks. <laughs> I didn't, I, the brain didn't realize. Okay, okay, I'm just speaking. You'll have to just cut all this out. Ready? I'm waiting till she's done chewing. <laughs> she's still not done chewing. She's dancing. She's doing a little woo. Oh, she's shaking her boobs at me, guys. It's getting freaky on this podcast. My rating for this, a little different, a little different. I would say I'm going to give it a fungi got caught in the fish farm. Okay. <laughs> for those of you who aren't really on track with the rating system just yet, that means a 3.5, correct? <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. As in funky was like, oh, I'm going to go check it out. And then it got caught in the fish farm and died. So that's about a three and a half. <laughs> You guys, if you take it for what it is, which is a fundamentally flawed uh, retelling of something that happened 20 something years ago with hot actors, then you'll like it. If you think that it's based on uh, solely truth, I think you might have to go somewhere else for it because we had to research for literally two days to find the actual story of this like whole series. So in terms of chilies, it's not AO3. Like it's not an archive of our own fan fiction in any way, shape or form. So I'm going to give it a, in that scale, like a three. Okay. For clutch my pearls kind of people five like it would people would um suburban mothers clutch their pearls watching this absolutely so that is my rating I just need to give both because I know that there's some people on here that have read fan fiction like myself mm-hmm. um we all have that's a discussion for another day though another I feel day. like <laughs> it's another day, <laughs> it's another day. <laughs> So to dive in to Pam and Tommy as a show, it's important dive to- Dive in. I wasn't even thinking about it, but I'm so smart, you guys. I'm so clever without, God, wow. Look at her go. Anywho, <clears throat> Pam and Tommy is a show um, starring, like I said, Sebastian Stan as Tommy Lee and Lily James as Pamela Anderson. Um, and I think the other most important character is Seth Rogen as Rand Godier. Um, it is based off of the <clears throat> 2014 uh, Rolling Stones article entitled Pam and Tommy, The Story of the World's Most Infamous Sex Tape by Amanda Chicago Lewis. So we'll just talk about it a little bit later, but I did read this article. Um, Speechify has it listed it's at 22 uh... minutes long. It's not that long of a read. Um <laughs> It really isn't. It follows the story of, uh, it kind of goes back and forth too. So like one episode will be based or like half an episode will be based like in the past, some in the present and like, you'll kind of bounce back and forth, but I'm pretty sure it's about the guy who stole the tape. And I mean that sincerely, it's literally Pam and Tommy seem like kind of side characters compared to the characterization of Rand. We'll get to that. It's about like how the tape got stolen, how it affected the people that were part of the whole thing. And then it also uh, goes into how Pam and Tommy met, um, their relationship. Yeah. 
that was honestly one of the things that the first couple episodes go so fast and, and then they're it's, so fun to watch and they're so fun and you're like oh my god I might add shops, that Margo and I watched this we watched this together yes we did which I don't know so, if we'll do in the future to keep the suspense of our opinions but and also that's yeah, so much organizing but it's so much organizing you guys it Eight was hours, fun time difference is no joke it's really it's no, no joke, joke. Although it was fun, especially with the scene of, I'm just going to say, Tommy Lee slash Sebastian Stan speaking directly to his penis. Yeah. Which I learned that. (laughs) Oh, we're getting to that? Okay. Wait, no, no, no. We're totally getting to it because we do have a, we do have a specific uh, section under the episode outline for. for I really just need to toggle everything open so I can see everything. You really do need to toggle it. Um, that was the problem. So let's go. I think the easiest thing first, because I think we are going to critique the show a lot. So the first thing that we should get into mm-hmm. is the actors. So mm-hmm. we're making it blatantly clear that the art is completely separate from like the other things that we're going to critique. Um, so let's talk about the acting, the writing, the show itself. But let's start with uh, Sebastian Stan and Louis James because yes. I love their performance. They and did I have great. to add here, they did so good. They did great. And I do have to add here that um, Sebastian Stan uh, did the whole shoot with a pair of bare steel balls in his <laughs> underwear. Um, he mentioned during his interview on Kimmel that his that his acting coach helped Helen Hunt put like nickels in her shoes or something. I don't know. Listen, I don't know how nickels in shoes transitioned to him putting literal steel balls. And you guys, you can actually look up the clip where he takes out these like steel balls that look like giant marbles. <laughs> And he just puts them on the table and he did his whole, like the whole shoot like this, because he said that since Tommy is well endowed, well endowed, a big man, Mm -hmm. uh, he used the steel balls to help him get into character because he has like a very specific way of walking Um, and like your weight. (laughs) Apparently, it's like, you know, weight distribution. (laughs) So do look up that clip. I do recommend because it is probably one of my favorite things I've ever seen in my life. Um, They were very generous casting Sebastian Stan. I think we need to talk about that because (laughs) I looked up a picture of fucking Tommy Lee. Yeah. And he gives skid mark vibes in real life. What do you mean? Skidmark vibes. Like he gives cr- Skidmark crusty, you know, when it's like a man just gives off crusty vibes yeah, 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 where yeah, it's yeah. like, you know, they have skid marks in their sure. underwear kind of vibe. Sure. Tommy Lee, that- I know what you're talking about. I think, I think, you know, for me, the makeup artistry on this show, because when you look at Sebastian Stan, you like picture Sebastian Stan in your mind, you don't, he doesn't look like Tommy Lee. But those he makeup like, artists for me, for me, he looks like Bucky Barnes. Like, yeah. you know, <laughs> like, first of all, apart from like the actual physical change that he went through, 
which was apparently really difficult because like he was on a diet of literally nothing to like lose all the marvel weight and like the muscle to make him look really gangly like apart from the physical i think he does a fantastic job of like like the transformation is kind of like inside and out like yeah you don't see Sebastian Stan and you go oh my god it's Bucky from Marvel you literally see Tommy Lee because it's so fucking realistic yes and the tattoos and the piercing work it's all really really well done and the same is true uh with Lily James like it's crazy when you look at her and you look at pictures of Pamela Anderson how much I feel like those makeup artists and also her acting tried to get the the mannerisms and like the way she smiles feels like the way Pamela Anderson would smile you know and it's yes. just it was just really impressive and I think that overall is one of my favorite things about biopics is when you get to see the real person next to the actor portrayal and kind of compare and contrast them compare and I it. and as yeah. well um I might add that uh it took, according to the head of makeup for the show, David Williams, it took four hours each day to get Lily James into character. They used a combination of 15 pairs of lace eyebrows, four wigs, two rows of hand sculpted dentures, a breastplate and a prosthetic forehead. And that's even before they could get to the actual like makeup bit. Like this went on before any of it. Can you just imagine um, having to act through all of that? Like some of the scenes she does is, are very intense and very emotional. Yeah. And she's having like all this prosthetic on her. Prosthetic on. It's yeah, really I think, impressive. I think she did mention that in an interview that like they tried in, a, in some shots, they tried to like cheat all the makeup and st- mm-hmm. all the prosthetics because like for the sake of her acting. So she didn't lose gotcha. any of the performance. Um, and then, uh, Jason Collins, who was the special effects makeup artist said that they went through 45 through to 50 breast prosthetics and 65 to 74 heads through the shoot because none of the prosthetics were reusable. That's insane. And then obviously the acrylic dentures. And then for Sebastian Stan, obviously he had the piercings and whatever, but it took three hours every morning to transfer around 35 individual temporary tattoos into Sebastian Stan, like onto Sebastian Stan's body. It's like, just so, it's so crazy. That is so insane to me. Insane. So that was definitely, I think the highlight of the show overall was the acting yeah. and the makeup artistry and the overall more um, aesthetic stuff and also the acting choices. Like they genuinely made because I did, like, honestly, I did look up videos of mm-hmm. Molly Crew, and I did look up videos of Pamela herself. And this is the same man that played drums upside down on a roller coaster at concerts. And that's insane. I think, I think they did a really good job of making sure that the audience knew exactly how unhinged this man was. Like, yeah. It, from Stan's portrayal and the writing and the mood, you can just tell, like, from the beginning, this guy is fucking insane enough to, 
you know, play the drums upside down on a roller coaster because why not? And I think they did that almost to a fault, which we'll get into. Um, mm-hmm. Another thing I thought was both Margo and I found ourselves like saying throughout the show, like, oh, he seems like such a good husband, but like, he's not. And we'll get into that as well. And we'll get into that too. I think this is but- a good segue into the writing discussion because while the portrayals were very um lifelike good yeah the writing was questionable at best (laughs) in my humble and a shit show at worst literally so um oh before you say that I have to say yes um in the first in like episode two and three um, you're looking at the notion right now and you know what I'm about to say, right? In episode two and three, um, there is this, this one, I don't know who, I can't remember her name, okay? But this just proves that everybody needs one Black friend in their lives because that bitch was the only person in this show that had a shred of common sense and was like, Pam, maybe this isn't a good idea. Maybe I would think this through. Did Pamela listen? No, no. but at least she, at least she was there. So everybody needs a black friend because everybody else was on some stupid Caucasian shit. She was like, no, 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 no. This is we're not doing this. This is not it. These are that's so true because that woman was the only one in the entire show who was like Pamela. I don't know. And then she just disappears, which. Which I'm mad about. I'm mad about. The writing. writing. Okay. So here's my question with Pam and Tommy is, I don't know if the writing of Pam and Tommy is simply bad. That's your option A. Option B, is it camp? Is it just super excessive and superfluous just for funsies? And then C, is it a parody? And I am of the personal opinion that I think it's kind of a mix of all three. There are so many scenes where after reading the article that this all originated from, there are certain scenes where I'm like, oh, that came from the article. That was something that was taken from the real world in the sense that it was out there before the show and brought into the physical, into the actual film. And like some of those are like, um, the scene where uh, Tommy Lee is talking to his penis is something that was quoted out of Tommy Lee's um, actual biography. Biography. Like his his biography starts with him- talking to his penis yes and that's where that came out of um I think honestly like you were saying I think it's a mix Mm -hmm. um because there is I think in a sense they tried that the they tried to make it so the ambiance of the show was crazy like it made them sound like so everything was kind of punk rock and sexy and crazy and all this kind of stuff so in a sense I think that might have been intentional Mm -hmm. to like make the dialogue kind of campy well not even the dialogue just the whole vibe of the show kind of campy so you understood like the like you were saying the grunge punk rock Seattle in the 90s kind of energy 
And you understood Tommy Lee and why, and it explains some of his actions in the show because he's just so crazy and wild and he talks to his penis sometimes. And so like, it kind of is part of his character. Um, yeah. But then there are other times where the writing is just really horribly awful. And usually Horrible. I think it's really hard to tell, like, you know, we're joking that this is a highbrow discussion and it is, but also like, it's really hard to tell, I think, when it's a bad writing or bad acting. I think that's those are genuinely hard things to attribute in a work. And for me, the yeah. scene that really told me, like, no, there's bad writing in here is from episode six. It's called Pamela in Wonderland. And in this episode, um, it shows Pamela Anderson being abused by her ex-boyfriend. Basically, she's having a discussion yeah. because she wants to become a model. And the ex-boyfriend- This was like, when she was in Alberta, by the way. Yes, this is like from... before Tommy, before the main plot of the show. Yeah, because she's Canadian. So this was when she was back in Canada before anything happened. Yes, and she's like wanting to leave Canada to pursue modeling. And the boyfriend's like, no, you can't. And it basically escalates into him throwing an object at her and it breaking over her head. And it's a really- Lily James is an excellent actress in that scene. I found that scene like, yeah, it really hit me in an emotional spot. And I found it like, wow, like very intense. And yeah. it was one of, it was going to be, I really literally remember telling you like, this might be one of my yeah. favorite scenes in the show. And then I kid you not, right after I said that, Pamela, you jinxed it. I jinxed it because the scene, you think the scene's about to end because she like storms out of the room and you're like, go Pamela. And she like closes the door. And I'm like, wow, this might be the best scene of the show so far. And then she opens it and goes, I'm going to America and then closes it. And I just started bursting out laughing because laughing. you can't go America after an abuse scene. Like it's just not you right. Can't. And that was the moment like the where boyfriend I was like, does like the boyfriend does turn around and is like where are you going and she closes the door but I thought that it was going to be like a a cut um I thought yeah like mm -hmm. I thought it was going to be where are you going and it was going to flash like cut to her Los in Los Angeles like or the Hollywood sign or something yes. like that and still it would have been a little a little like cliche it but cheesy, it would have but... made sense yeah and it also would have fit with a lot of the other kind of technical elements of the show where they'll cut to a new spot and then they'll put the text on screen to tell you where you yeah. are and in what time. So it made sense for that scene to end with a cut to, you know, the Hollywood sign and then say Los Angeles, 1980, whatever, you know? Yeah. But and it doesn't end like that. <laughs> it doesn't. It ends with like her being like, America! And then she closes the door again and it's literally, it is... Mm. it's painfully it, it ruined the problem is it's like this is a show that in this moment wants you to feel bad for Pamela and while it succeeds to, in doing that originally because of the acting in that scene it immediately fails and falls flat because it ruins it by the writing and just that one line and it makes the and this is the kind of thing that makes the tone of the show really confusing because you have this situation where it gets really serious, especially towards the end of the show, where there's Pam's really going through it, especially. And so you're watching Lily James having these really tough emotional scenes and like breaking down over, you know, a miscarriage or, you know, basically her body being objectified to the entire world because this tape that she didn't want shared is being shared all over the world. And all of that is happening and it's really heavy. 
And then like Tommy Lee will come into the scene and he's like, yo, bro, this is crazy. And you know, he's so extra and insane (laughs) and doesn't seem like a weird, real person. He seems like a caricature of himself. And like, I get that that's probably like, you know, that's in this article that the show is based on. That's the version of Tommy Lee in that article. But it makes the show and it's also the version of him that that was in motley crew like yes not even not even like and i think sebastian stan talks on it where it's like there's no way of knowing because we weren't actually there like there's no way of knowing how he acted in those moments where they're alone in their house or whatever like we don't know if those things actually happened so you have to fill in the blanks with what you know right they filled it in with what I'm guessing was a stage persona. Yes, that's what I think too. And it kind of, it just doesn't feel right. Um, And the same can be said for Rand Gauthier's character. Rand Gauthier is literally being chased by like Italian mobsters. And And I'm pissing myself. And he's literally the most, so so funny. And it's just like, this is not a funny scene. The man could literally be about to die. He's like multiple thousands of dollars in debt to this like Italian mobster. And he's, and honestly, I literally did not care. I was like, get him mobsters, get him. Me too. We were literally cheering them on, (laughs) Um, you know, but it's just really, the writing was really strange. And I think it was one of the big detriments to the show. We'll also get into a little bit later, you know, more into Rand and also the timeline um but I think the writing overall was probably the culprit for me (laughs) yeah like I've literally nothing because you know people say that actors can only do so much when Mm -hmm. they're given shitty material to act from Mm -hmm. I think that like I've nothing to say about Sebastian Stan and Lily James they did an incredible job and frankly for me they made the show bearable like yes I don't think I would have watched the show had it not been for Sebastian Sebastian because I love Sebastian Stan as in well for everything really but but, like they went above and beyond and gave like this incredible performance and they tried to do it justice which Mm -hmm. I really like and there's only so much you can do when the writing is weird and I think we'll talk about our complicated relationship with biopics later on but it is absolutely a story that needed to be told yeah um because it is a quite an important moment at the dawn of the quote-unquote dot-com era right so Mm -hmm. the tech boom and it was at its time and I know people hate this word after COVID but it was unprecedented stop Um, get out of here you are canceled you're cut off I can't believe you just used that word I know I'm literally you Um, could probably use any other word in the English language and it would be better than the word you just used I know it's overused at this point and it's lost all meaning. Uh, uh, but I think, I think that like through the characterization of Tommy and Pamela, um, they lost all the emotion of the plot and what yeah. really happened. Like they, they focus so much on the transformation and like, you're kind of sitting there like, holy shit, this is, like they look exactly like them it's unbelievable but they focus too much on that and not enough on the main characters like I understand it was meant to feel really sexy and rock and roll and and like grunge and Seattle 90s kind of sexual liberation vibes but 
they wrote it to make it feel like a parody and the authenticity of wanting to tell Pamela's story was lost in it. And I think there absolutely is a respectful, tasteful way to portray subjects like sex and sex tapes and porn and also give it an ambiance and a vibe that people are going crazy or whatever. Like, I know we have, like, I know people have their complaints about euphoria, but I think euphoria does a great job of having that ambiance of, um, of like, it's teenagers, we're going crazy, like, blah, 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 while also giving, giving, the important topics in the show their moment to shine and not make it seem like it was just added in there for the shits and giggles um and it does give off that like I'm giving you this face because you've only seen season one um sorry okay yeah okay so, <laughs> so season one is on true me. on all of those points but I think before you let the internet um hear your full euphoria thoughts you might want to see season okay i might want to okay but for season one for what yes. i've seen um, fully agree it with does that like a really good job addressing issues of the 21st century teen while giving off a really sexy ambiance vibe to it but the core story remains alternatively if you don't think euphoria is like that good I would say look at uh, American Crime Story and particularly the season of- The first season, the- OJ, right? Yeah, OJ. Uh, they did a great job with it. Like I know there wasn't as many physical transformations and stuff in it, but- That show was so good. It was so good. So and it, good. It focused on every, like it gave the vibe that apparently, according to, you know, people- who were alive back then because neither of us were mm-hmm. it did make them reminisce and go holy shit like that I remember that happening and I remember how insane that was and it did have that nostalgia to it and it was authentic but it also didn't take away from the severity of the crime and the mm-hmm. issues that it bought up yeah which I think is the issue that they have here yeah OJ you thought the actors are great, the transformations are great, the story is well told, but it doesn't take away from the scenes where they're talking about race and they're talking about police brutality and they're talking about the murder of these two individuals that were literally minding their own business like it was cold-blooded murder. And I think it's worth mentioning. you feel mad for yeah for um it didn't, was that what you were going to say? That it didn't make you feel bad for OJ? No, I was going to point out, even though it's been a couple of years since I've seen it, what I remember so much about that show is when I watched Pam and Tommy, I wanted to Google things. I wanted to look things up because there yeah. were things I would watch and I would go, mm, that seems like questionable at best because it was so extra and out there. Whereas I feel like even though it was a long time ago when I was younger, when OJ came out, I didn't feel the need to question as much. I wasn't ready. Yeah. You know, with Pan and Tommy, I was almost ready to poke holes in every single little thing. Whereas with OJ, I was able to kind of just take in the story and the screen. And while I think that's partially age and time, I also think that's part of how a testament to how well done that show was because it you seemed so real. Vibe. Yes. Yeah. And it seemed so like realistic. You understood you understood that it was like 
that you understood that in American history, it was like a really tumultuous time. And it was a time where people were really, really divided on Mm -hmm. did OJ do it, did OJ not do it, blah, 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 Mm -hmm. blah, blah. blah. Like you did understand what the issues were at the time while also giving actors an incredible opportunity to play these iconic people. Alrighty, so that was a lot. That was very highbrow of us. Now let's go back to lowbrow. That was very highbrow. <laughs> this is this is a comment, this is a little section we want to add into our it under does the scene not get episodes. Any more highbrow. Does not does not and this little section we're calling there's two names i think we should maybe put like a poll out so people can vote on which they prefer or um, i feel like we should do one of those q a things where they could where like people can you know give options for names give options because seriously i've asked so many people and the the options okay the options that we have are dire i'm going to say that they're bad from now Guys, they're i bad. think they're genius because i love a good dad pun I love a good dad pun. Well, I don't think the problem is the dad pun. They just feel uninspired. I just think really? we need we need new creative juices. We do. We need um, we need ocean themed jokes. Anywho, this segment anywho. in this segment we are going to discuss the penises of it all, the schlongs <laughs> of it all. We're discussing. And this is the something that we can carry on oh. the long to end them all this is the section that we can carry on to many media types of media as we go forward in our journey on this podcast mm-hmm. because more and more the ween has a say in the media it really does and so right it now really the, the names that we have for this segment are under the semen okay and then thank uh, you to podrick for that suggestion <laughs> well done and um the schlong the barnacle um this was gabby's both podrick and i thought it was a little out there but um for the shits and giggles we're putting it out there on the airwaves get it debacle the barnacle schlong. because barnacles Actually, are in the ocean goes <laughs> in the ocean um and that's literally how I introduced it. I was like, Margo, you're not going to believe the genius idea I have for this segment. Get you it? really thought Barnacles that this was her Mona Lisa? You really thought this was your Mona Lisa that people will be lining up at the Louvre to see? Like, you really thought, yeah. like, I can't get I, any better. I thought I was a genius. And then I asked one of my other best friends about this. And they were like, no, it should be the dong de barnacle. I was like, the dong de barnacle is stupider than the schlong de barnacle. Oh, it has alliteration. It's that's what she said, but who the fuck <laughs> looks at the and says? <laughs> anywho. But like Jenny, anywho, anywho, we so, can't go on. To- um, <laughs> we can't go on this, um, this. We could literally go on about this forever. But anywho, um, if you have uh, suggestions for the name of this uh, penis themed uh, segment, let, let us know. know. Uh, comment in the Q and A poll thingy mm-hmm. that we're going to put. And um, yeah, so. Okay, so basically what happened is there's a lot of ween in the first couple episodes of Pam and Tommy throughout the entire show, but like specifically like the first two or three, it's absurd. And um, Gabby took it upon herself to find out um, what Tommy Lee's actual penis actually looks like. So Gabby- Maybe might be a bit of a, okay. So to explain myself- (laughs) 
to explain myself. So they made a very big deal on the show of being like, he has a massive schlong. Like everyone on the show, even the first time he shows her his penis in the show, um, she makes like a really big, like, oh my God, it's really big kind of face. And he is very proud of the fact that he's a very big man. So when I was looking it up to be like, this has to be a joke, um, I then saw the interview with Sebastian Stan explaining that, that like the whole bear steel balls thing. And I was like, no, this is serious. Like it is there. This is based on fact. And I have to say the penis was probably the most factual thing on the show because I don't want it to be true I don't want it to be I don't want it to be true um in fact that same friend who (laughs) requested that she be called Belinda on this show because she says that my Gabby that Gabby is really uninspired so she wants like something really random okay pop off Um, Belinda I was on the phone with Belinda. I was on mm-hmm. FaceTime mm-hmm. and I was doing my research as one does because I had said to Marco when we were originally like watching the show, I was like, how long do you think it would take me without actually like one actually looking for it, like actively looking for it? And two, how long would it take me to stumble upon it? And it being whether it be the tape like the the actual tape tape. tape. um because I wanted to see if people had taken it down out of respect if people had reposted it on like reddit or something like that or if really the only stuff that's actually going to show up now is Sebastian Stan and Lee James's one and not the actual tape and it took me literally 15 seconds to find it yeah I mean, it's just so, so, so now not the whole thing, because apparently the tape, the whole, um, the tape was like an hour and 10 minutes long. Okay. I only found like a 10 minute segment and it was, I was going to say that it assaulted my eyes. And I will say that he was indeed a very blessed man. Well then. (laughs) Belinda also mentioned that it was like really, really straight. Oh, like in terms of angles, like there was no. That's interesting. Like it came, it just jutted out, and we were like, "No, we need, we need something for like, for like." You needed a you know reference. Yeah. No, for reference. No. Lo and behold, we were looking at it flaccid no yes that's horrifying that oh that's disgusting respectfully (laughs) that's really disturbing to me (laughs) and when i tell you this man was holding a uh water bottle stop and we used that (laughs) to scientifically make a did you google the proportions of the exact water bottle you did didn't you i couldn't find the exact water bottle but it was like it was a girthy water Stop. bottle, and all I all I can say is baby got back, but not in the back. Okay, 
He's got a dump <laughs> truck of a weeb. <laughs> He's got a dump truck for a weeb. Like it is horrifying. Like, and I think I think it says more about Pam because the fact that Pam was willing to have her cervix impaled for this man. I'm sorry. We have to Abby. talk about it. There's no way that that was comfortable. There is no way, shape, or form in oh which that big of a queen was comfortable. Watch this be the episode that my parents are like, should we listen? Should should we try it? Like, Hello, Marco's parents. I, oh my god. Oh, I, it's, but she it's didn't know. How could she have known? What do you mean, how could she have known? No, I know, but I mean, like, going into the relationship, you know? Okay, did but, she, like, still, how did she not... I'm hoping that Bestie has a really high cervix. Because if not, she was getting impaled like Olaf from Frozen in that one scene. And <laughs> it is... <laughs> it's not. It's not. I feel like every time Amanda... This is kind of going off on a side tangent, but, like, every time Amanda is like, oh, I have a big blah, 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 blah. Like, I think it says more about the woman that you're just kind of sitting there and you're like, really? Like, you're going to insert that in you? Like, is that really the, no, you don't care about getting impaled? That's fine. Um, But I just know that she, after that whole boat thing, she had a bruised fucking cervix because that shit does not look, that does not look comfortable. And while we're talking about the queen, um, let's go back to the prosthetics. Oh my god. Okay, so <laughs> in the I think it's the second episode, there is a scene. It is a long fucking scene. I cannot stress this enough, listeners. This scene could not have been any longer. And for the length of this scene, Sebastian Stan talks to a sentient prosthetic penis that bends and speaks to him. With the speaking the coming from the urethra, is that what it's called? The, I don't fucking know. Yeah, the pee hole, that's the mouth. That's speaking the mouth, out of that. And it opens and, opens and closes. And for the length of this scene, they discuss, I don't even remember what they, they were discussing. It wasn't two people. It was Tommy Lee. <laughs> what they were discussing. Penis. But what they were discussing, they were having an internal monologue about Pamela, I think. Yeah. And it's just, that was a moment again where I was like, is this bad writing? Is this camp? Is, is this, this parody? Real? Is this real? I don't know what's happening. Turns out it is both camp and real, I would argue. <laughs> yeah. Because it is the most absurd scene on the planet. And it is so fun. And it, um, I won't lie, it really boosted my need to research because because you're just watching it and you know mm. we're used to seeing sebastian stan in the marvel universe you know like this where is he has Barnes. like a prosthetic arm so clearly he's like you know he's used to the prosthetics okay and so for them to jarringly pan down past the level of no return if you will was mm-hmm. first of all i was like gasp number one i was like oh my god like I am looking at Sebastian Stan's lower level. And so you're thinking like, it's probably not his real penis, but like, who knows? And then the penis starts to move and you're like, 
what gasp mm-hmm. number two you're like oh my god the penis is speaking penis is talking oh my god oh my god you're freaking out and then gasp number three four five and so on and so forth it continues that scene continues yeah. for at length it's at a five minute scene and and to make matters worse it cuts so you think it's about to end you it's think over you've reached the end and then snap there you're back you're back and you're looking at the talking penis you're back and you're checking the time stamp and you're like oh my god it's the beginning of the episode there's so much more left to watch and you just become yeah. really disturbed it is in fact an animatronic robot penis that was um operated by two different people while they were shooting this scene and honestly my question isn't about the prosthetic penis because i feel like we know enough about the prosthetic penis what we don't know enough about is from the scene the first scene of them uh like stripping off in the bathroom and getting into the tub i have questions about that penis because <clears throat> it can't be his it's real not penis. so much it can't be i don't think so there's no way there's no way but also i have questions if it is a prosthetic which i'm assuming how? it is how how is it kind of like a like a sock where <laughs> you put the prosthetic on like it's a hollowed out one where you put the prosthetic on over your real ween and then they like airbrush the the, the seams with like the seams yeah. um is it mm-hmm. like yeah like is it like a wig cap <laughs> where you have to you know blend the the lace mm-hmm. into your skin or mm-hmm. is it uh put a green sock over the ween and then replace it in post-production or my favorite personally is it a rupaul where one tucks the real ween back and puts the real one i mean the fake one one in front of it yeah I, i think it's one of those I think it's one of the questions that I came away with the show because I think the show in some res- it, it does try to be respectful to never it never shows the tape in full it never shows nudity in the t- context of the actual tape and I do think like if you think about the show on the show I don't believe they ever show like any Her nudity regime. yes they don't show anything on the tape they show things outside you know in like the quote-unquote real life but they don't show anything in the context of the tape in the context of the paper. I personally, like, they always show her, like, in the swimming part where you can't really see anything or they show her the trailer. They're not showing any nudity in the context of the tape. And I think in some sense, I'm thinking yeah. that might be purposeful because, you know, they're trying to be respectful, maybe. But I think it creates... Or with- maybe they just met the Hulu dick quotient. Who knows? All I, what I, knows? I, what I, I think it's just interesting because I think the thing you want to do after you watch this show is there is a part of you that wants to Google the tape because you've been learning about yeah. the tape for eight episodes straight and they're each about an hour long and it's so superfluous. And so it creates a weird paradox with this show where I think it's trying to be respectful in some in some areas and yet it kind of, it makes the tape a new object of interest whereas yeah. it had once been dying off and now there's all these people, whatever the intentions are, googling yeah. various things in relation to tape like you were trying to google the ween size and the but there ween. are other people who are going to find the actual tape and can watch the actual tape or portions of it so 
with that, I think it's best. I have questions. I, I have best, so many questions. I think it's best we move on. Oh, also, speaking of the tape, the tape has its own IMDb page. <gasps> oh my God, I forgot about this. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. So, since I was looking for the ween, believe it or not, one of the first things that came up that comes up when you look up Pam and Tommy tape, apart from the interviews, is an IMDb page for the tape. And it's fucking incredible. Like, it's genuinely unfucking believable. First of all, it credits Tommy Lee as the director, <laughs> which I think is fucking it's just hilarious. So ridiculous. Which is so ridiculous. Um, Pamela Anderson is an associate, uh, an associate producer. Just so honestly, can I just say, fucked up. Like you didn't even credit her as an associate director or like give her full control. It's like, no, no, no. Or executive producer. Right. She's just an associate producer. Like, Tommy okay, IMDb, is, fuck you. Is, <laughs> Tommy Lee is literally executive producer of the thing. Film editing by Tommy Lee, special effects by Tommy Lee, additional crew, Austin Moore acquisition. Like there's genuinely an entire cast and crew page, which first of all, is fucking hilarious. It's Um, just too much. They gave it a 4.4 out of 10 rating with 772 ratings. So can we read some? Oh, yes. Can we just read some Um, reviews? Yeah, I absolutely because I have <laughs> I've read some of these and I think it's absolutely hilarious because people are genuinely giving their artistic <laughs> opinion on it. <sighs> okay. I would like to read this review. This person gave it seven out of ten stars. This oh. was written October 18th of 2001. Yeah. And I think as well, it's good that we have these because it shows like the public opinion, not literally exactly at the time, but close enough to the time. Yes. Okay. It's about a paragraph. I've watched this movie many times. And I think despite the lack of characters and storyline, this movie was decently done. I guess the biggest improvement this movie could make was to clean the dirty lens. Half the time the shots were blurry and the camera was shaking around. A major downside of this movie was the lack of emotion. I felt as emotional as I would watching paint dry. For a two-person made movie, however, I feel they did a decent job. Overall opinion, if you can find it for a decent price, get it. Otherwise, it isn't worth your time. It's so out there (laughs) and absurd that it feels like a joke. Like that feels like someone is joking. But they wrote a review on IMDb and gave it seven out of 10 stars and they were specific. And so I feel like it's not a joke. Like, and, and here's another little thing. 11 out of 17 found this review helpful. <laughs> That's my favorite part. I was about like, to say that. What do you mean 11 out of 17 people found this helpful? Yeah. What, what does that? And like the, the top, the top review I shit you not. Wait, how do I open the full thing? <laughs> 21 people gave it a thumbs up and said it was helpful. And my favorite part, nine didn't. You didn't find the review of the sensitive helpful? I don't know. Also, just a quick uh, side one- note, just quick side note before you read another one. I looked into the um the person who wrote this. I went to their IMDB account. I think that was the only review they ever left on IMDB. And they joined- <laughs> 
and they joined in September of 2001 and the review was in October of 2001. So take that information <laughs> for what you will. Um, one of my favorites <laughs> says, this is from the, from November, 2001 title. I thought it was kind of sweet. And they said, okay, I'll admit it. Rabid curiosity got the better of me and I actually bought the video. So bite me. <laughs> As others have pointed out, the actual sex scenes are brief and few. And yes, Tommy's hung like a horse, bless his heart. <laughs> but what really interests me about this video is that if you really, really pay attention, there are elements of the relationship between Tommy and Pam, which are so subtle, they are likely to be missed if you're too busy waiting for the next sex scene. Every other word out of their mouths is some derivative of the word fuck. Perhaps one of their wedding gifts should have been... <laughs> Perhaps one of their wedding gifts should have been a, th a thesaurus and their conversations are pretty boring for the most part. But the oh-so-subtle difference in the way they treat each other was fascinating to me. Well, every other sentence out of Pam's mouth was, I love you. And then in quotation marks, I love you. Hey, look at that fucking view. I love you. Let's make chili burgers tonight. I love you. This is a direct quotation. <laughs> There was <laughs> they gave quotations. They cited their seeming... sources. <laughs> there was a seeming insincerity behind it. When Tommy told Pam he loved her, much much less much less often, I might add, he said it with absolute conviction. His surprising <laughs> her his surprising her on her birthday with a private boat party and a ton of gifts was beyond sweet. He was more excited about her opening her gifts than she was, and he's a much better listener than she is. Okay. I never really thought much about either of them beyond what I'd read or heard in entertainment news, but my opinion after seeing this video is that Pam is a vain, selfish, self-absorbed airhead. And while Tommy, while no neurosurgeon himself, <laughs> is really a pretty sweet, sensitive guy who, when he loves, seems to love deeply and completely. Watch again and fast forward through the sex scenes. See for yourself. 31 out of 35 found this helpful. <laughs> oh my God. I'm going to scream. The audacity to watch it. And again, give this review. That <laughs> seems like an absolute joke. You say he's hung like a horse. That's a jokey comment. And then to go on and be like, yeah, Pamela Anderson's vain as fuck. Like, oh my God. Like, she, her I love yous don't seem sincere. Maybe it's because there was a camera in her face, bucko. Like, what do you. <laughs> What planet are you on? What planet are you on? <laughs> I, I think cannot. This is hilarious. There's other, by the way, there's there's um other reviews that have spoiler warnings on them. So you have to <laughs> click <laughs> my favorite. The main attraction, the sex scene, it's not at all exciting. You can't expect people to be impressed by some kind of large penis and shaved pussy. Come on, those private stars can do more than these. Besides, there are no, there are only ordinary sex and oral sex. No orgy, no facial, no anal. Just boring. Just. <laughs> I, I, I just, I can't. I just, I literally cannot. Okay. I, I'm sorry. This is just, it's, it genuinely like there's a review that I saw um 
that said, it's hard to review a tape that was never meant for public consumption. Neither Pamela Anderson nor Tommy Lee filmed this with the intent of releasing it to video, although there are rumors of the opposite. It's like, how did you And then he goes on to review it. And it's like, (laughs) you, you walked straight past the point. Like you saw the point, you acknowledged the point, and then you continued on fucking walking. Like it just, it boggles the mind. It really boggles the fucking mind. I don't understand it. I do not understand it. I just, we're moving on. We've read too many. These are so, we're moving on. So you can Google them yourselves if you would like to read more. No, 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 no. One more. I have one more because I would argue that these quotes are better than some of the writing that is in this. All the screenwriters Andy Warhol ever worked with couldn't have come up with the dialogue of this inadvertent hardcore travelogue of the Pam and Tommy honeymoon, oh which God. is white trash cre- cretinism boiled down to a post bakage minimalism that is mo- genuinely mind blowing. What the actual Baby, fuck? Wait for it. Wait for it. Baby, I gotta be pregos because you were so far inside me that I was like, that I was like inside out. Baby, that is one weenus. Oh, lover, you are so beautiful. And you know what? This might be a bit more sincere than the writing in this book. I just, I, okay. Yeah, the poverty of language is fascinating. Can't agree, can't help but agree. At least 26 out of 39 people found it helpful. At least there's that. At least there is that. like we said the writing was a major issue but specifically what about the writing the timeline I think this is like problem one like major issue the timeline babes was really fucked up it's really weird and part of the reason I would argue it's weird is because the article that this show was based off of was not about Pam and Tommy it was about the guy who stole the tape from Pam and Tommy And so even though the show is quite literally called Pam and Tommy, it follows the guy, Rand Godier, who stole the tape. And so everything's from his perspective and not from Pam and Tommy's perspective. So there's details that are out of order. So there are some things that are correct. Like they really did get married after four days of knowing each other. That really happened. But... There are other things that are they get they got married faster than some of your Mormon friends. <laughs> they did. Um, and one of the things that's super messed up is the order of their children. There's a big plot in the show about a miscarriage that seems to be out of order. Also, it's out of order with the actual births of their children. They had their first son was born the summer after the tape was released, and then by December 1997, so June 1996, first son's born. December 1997, second son is born. And those are dates covered in the show. And yet there are no children present. And so it does distort certain things and certain scenes and certain aspects of their relationship, um, which was very, very toxic. And I'm going to let Gabby do that little section about the toxicity of their relationship. So this is all from biography.com literal quotations because this show romanticizes what 
really was an abusive toxic relationship like we were saying before when we were watching the show we actually did turn to each other and say they're actually Tommy seems like a really sweet husband and I think that's the Sebastian Stan effect of like he's just charming yeah and he's once seems... again the writing yes but in reality Pamela says that it was a really abusive toxic relationship so much so that when Dylan the first bo- son the first son he ex- uh Lee explained that when Dylan was born he quote dropped down to number three so their son kind of like became more important which as they should like they require more attention oh no it's their second a- son my mistake their second son so when Dylan was born I dropped down to number three now I was full-on non-existent and I couldn't deal with that in February of 1998 Lee allegedly attacked Anderson while she was holding their seven-week-old son Dylan kicking her backside leaving her with a broken nail and red marks She called the cops and filed for divorce days later, putting the three-year marriage to an end. And in May of that year, Lee was handcuffed and sent to jail for six months for felony spousal abuse. Now, I'd like to interject right here because this moment in some respects makes an appearance in the show. In the very last episode, you see a scene that kind of mirrors the scene that I talked about earlier where Pamela is abused by an ex-boyfriend where... Tommy Lee throws something at her and she runs out of the room. But in that scene, she is pregnant and there she does not have a son. The show ends without describing an imagery. I don't remember if it says in like the black and white text script. I think it might, but it does. It, but okay. He went to jail for felony spousal. spousal. I'm yeah. pretty sure it does okay. say that. But it doesn't show um, it in the film. It doesn't show Sebastian Stan and Lily James never act out a scene where abuse to that level is it left me kind of sitting there like there's no way that this version of Tommy Lee who loved Pamela so much yeah would do this which is literally the fucking problem yeah because you're right Um, this version of Tommy Lee wouldn't because he wasn't real that version of Tommy Lee that we see in the show is so much more romanticized and perfect and lovely in comparison to the real thing and also it, it does just kind of spitballing like abuse is not something that you can quote unquote say that you love somebody and still abuse them yes and this show makes it seem like like you're saying like oh he would never do that because he's so lovely and again it's like missing the point in multiple respects and walking right past it and even a decade later in 2008 the two found their way back to each other this wasn't like I know the show was about the tape but I feel like I feel like they kind of had an obligation to show this and they didn't uh a decade later uh they said quote we've only given it a try 800 times 801 here we go Lee told Rolling Stone um Pamela and the kids have moved in with me it's awesome it's definitely working but what started looking like a happily fam what um, what started looking like a happy family unit quickly dissipated as the reunion was short-lived because uh, 10 years later in 2018, their son, Brandon, who was 21, knocked Tommy unconscious. I did not know about this. Neither did I until I looked it up. 
um, fingers were pointed back and forth as to whose fault it was, but Anderson took an unusual step to publicly write a, a blog post called, quote, alcoholism is the devil. Um, she said, quote, nobody understands the lifetime of disappointment this man has brought our family, she wrote. Consistently the center of sadness, drama, and confusion. Jealous of his son's talent and beauty from the day they were born. He's sick. The definition of narcissist slash sociopath. It's terrible, and unfortunately, he has made this private matter very public. I've always tried to only set the record straight. Trying to paint him as not a bad guy, just one who is human and makes mistakes. He still cannot handle the guilt about his abusive behavior and has never taken responsibility for what he has done. Let's hope this will be his saving grace. Yes. Thank you. So I think none of this was mentioned. Not in even in the not even in the post credit like, black and white. Yeah. Pro- yeah. And that's just a real shame because and it's so I feel like it's again where it's like the really focus did, of the show wasn't clear. Because in a show called yeah. Pam and Tommy, it's clearly trying to make it seem like they're both good people, right? Because it's a show about both of them theoretically based on the title. Yeah. And yet it, it just paints over and ignores the reality of the situation. And, and I and- feel like as well, the, the writers and the actors came to it with a different vision of what they were doing. Because I yeah. think the way in which they played Pam and Tommy was quite respectful to the people that they are. Mm -hmm. And I think they did a lot of research and they did the best that they could. But I think the actual production team, the writers, et cetera, they were on a completely different, they weren't even on a completely different page. They were in a completely different book as to what they were going to, like what the show was going to be about, what tone it was going to set. And I feel like it's really irresponsible to tell a story like this and call it like the the greatest love story ever sold or whatever mm-hmm. and when that's not what this, it was when it's really not what it was and it was a really abusive relationship and I mean even this stuff like with this stuff happening I would have much preferred if um they did an episode into the future like I don't know how it would have yeah. fit but at least it would have made, would have given Pamela, it would have given her the justice that she deserves, like the, the moment to tell her story. That was my takeaway too, didn't. is I, I want Lily Drame's portrayal of Pamela Anderson. I want, you know, I haven't seen Spencer yet, but I want the like Pamela Anderson movie biopic with Lily James yes you know what I mean like I want to know Pamela's story because when Lily James hits those emotional beats they really 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 work and those were some of my favorite most of the show yes she's a very profound actress yes and you understand it the narrative that comes across makes you understand what Pamela Anderson could have been going through during that time and I really, I, what I wanted this, like having watched it, what I wanted this show to be was the Pamela Anderson story. By the end of it, I didn't care about 
anyone else's situation because I saw Pamela as the victim and yet the show wasn't even fully painting her that way. I mean, it was, but it also wasn't at points and it was focusing on somebody else. I think it's a good time to bring up too, kind of how you were talking about the good intentions of actors and the cast and what the, the intentions they had coming to the show to mention some of the public comments that were made. We know Lily James reached out to Pamela Anderson um, and didn't necessarily get any comment from her. We know a lot of the cast and crew reached out to their counterparts. I think what's so interesting is this interview you found and quoted in the notion with um, Tommy Lee. It's an ET interview. Mm. I don't know where it is, but I, I can read it for you because I'm looking at it. Do it. Yeah, um, go for it. According to an exclusive interview with E.T., Lee said, I know Sebastian. He's playing me. From what he's told me, really beautiful story, Lee shared with E.T. I think a lot of people would think it's one thing, but it's really about privacy and how things got crazy then. There's different laws now. The story is actually cool. What actually happened wasn't, he said, adding that people need to know what occurred. And just given our discussion that we just had about Tommy Lee and the reality of what that relationship was, I think it's really telling that Tommy Lee is the one who's publicly said, oh, I think this is a good story. And I think people think it's one thing that's not because I think it's a lot darker than what the short show portrays. And given what happened in 2018 within the family and what became public, I think it's way darker. And so I think it's really interesting that Tommy Lee is out and about being like, hey, I kind of lacked the story. We've been putting it off for a little bit because we have literally so much to say about this guy. Both the actual person and Seth Rogen's portrayal of him. So the article that this was all based off of, of, um, the Amanda Chicago Lewis um, was the author. It came out in 2014. It was Rolling Stones article. Um, that article was about Randy Godier, who is the guy who stole a safe from Pam and Tommy after allegedly getting his tools not being returned by Pam and Tommy and not being paid for construction work he was doing at his house. So he steals this safe. Inside the safe is the sex tape. He finds it. He had worked in the porn industry um, and done anal porn, which I have some of the titles of his pornos. Please for do you. it. Okay. We have the Wonder Rears, Big Boob Bikini Bash, Miracle on 69th Street, and my personal favorite, Willie Winkers and the Fun Factory. (laughs) So, like, Rand had to. (laughs) Yes. So, Rand Rand was a bit of an anal connoisseur he really was so he had some connections and so he brings this tape to his his friend whose name i don't fully remember i'm just gonna call him milty yeah he's milty um he's played by nick offerman thank you and he brings it to milty and he's like milty we should sell this so they go around los angeles to all the porn studios and the porn studios are like so bestie did Pam and Tommy sign releases for this? And they're like, ah, nope. And they're like, okay, we're not making money. So what do Milty and Rand do? 
Well, these dweebs, they go to an Italian mob boss, essentially. Pecorino. Is that his name? Or is that a cheese? That's a cheese. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what his name is, but let's just call him Butchie. Butchie, that's right. Butchie and his, Butchie and the besties. (laughs) Sounds like a band. So they go to Butchie and the besties and they're like, Butchie, besties. Can you give us some money? Give us a loan. We'll go on the internet and we'll sell some VHSs of the tape. And that's what they do. They take out a large loan and they do that. Well, essentially what happens is VHSs can be copied. And over a period of time, these tapes go everywhere and get copied and get copied and get copied. And the reason I'm talking about the actual way that this went down at length is because so much of the show focuses on how these tapes got so big, but not necessarily always from the perspective of Pam and Tommy, but from the perspective of Rand Godier. Because Rand Godier feels, in the context of the show, that he has been wronged. He's been wronged by Pam and Tommy because they didn't pay him and they didn't give him his tools. He's been wronged by um, people on the internet who has stolen his business because he was selling all these tapes and now they're everywhere for cheaper prices and he's not getting the cut. And he feels like he's been wronged by Milty, who's like fucked off to New York and then Amsterdam to spend all the money that they have been loaned from Butchie and the Besties. And the show portrays Rand as kind of this stupid guy who made bad decisions and got wronged as a result. And Mm -hmm. the reason the show takes that perspective is because the article that the show is based off of is about Rand. This is a quote from the article. And I think it's so telling because the show is called Pam and Tommy. And yet it focuses on the guy who kind of helped ruin their lives, you know? And this is, this is the quote. This is the story of a man who staked his livelihood on a video in the hopes that it would save him. Instead, he watched his life fall apart as his greed destroyed nearly every shred of the happiness he'd carved out for his adult self. That quote comes in some of the first paragraphs of the article at large. And I think it's just so telling that this is this was never supposed to be a story about Pam and Tommy. It was supposed to be a story about Rand Godier. But if you had mm-hmm. called it Rand Godier, no one would fucking watch no it. No one would have fucking who the watched fuck it. Rand so you cast Sebastian Stan as Tommy Lee and you call it Pam and Tommy when that's not really what it's about. And when really they're just side characters to Rand's story of being of being like, oh no, I stole somebody's property and now people hate me because of it. Oh, when will justice be served? served? Like, oh my God, that's so, that's so terrible for you, Rand. And I just, I have so much to say on this point. So I'm gonna just kind of go through it real quick. First of all, Seth Rogen, who played Rand, was also an executive producer of Pam and Tommy, which to me gives me the vibes of like Lin-Manuel Miranda putting himself as the lead character in everything he's ever done, which like, we love Lin, but we see what you're doing, Lin. We're aware. And to me, like, I've not, I'm not like a huge Seth Rogen fan. Like, I'm just kind of like, eh, you know? And so the fact that it's like, of course, you know, Seth Rogen being the executive producer in a story where he's basically the main character is like, okay, well, fuck you. Um, yeah. The other thing I want to and I want to bring up too is this concept that is huge in biopics of making the villain more likable and the hero for a, the sake of a good story. And um, 
I think this is something I kind of became more aware of after watching a video by, um, I'm looking it up real quick, by Yara Zaid on YouTube. It's called Hi, Not Everything Needs to Be a Fictionalized Miniseries. K Thanks Bye. It's a super great video. It's literally eight minutes long. It's fantastic. We will be linking our sources in Somewhere. the description. Somewhere, <laughs> yes. I think. And so. it's it's a really fantastic video. And this is one of the things she's talking about is the fact that in so many recent biopics and in biopics as a genre, there's this thing of taking a character such as Joe Exotic, right? Joe Exotic is not a good person. We all know this to be true, but in the recent biopic, Joe versus Carol, Joe Exotic is given way- It's a bit of an icon. It's a bit of an icon. He's given way more credence than he deserves. And it's this concept of Rand Godier is not a good person. To this, the show paints him at the end as someone who feels regret for his actions and feels bad for what he's done. But as Gabby can tell us, that is not the case. No, because even nowadays, um, he, by the way, he's the most elusive character on this show. Like he's done the, he did the Rolling Stone article in 2014, but you can't find a recent picture of him, (laughs) which is really weird. Uh, he has this like electrician business and owns his own company and he has a blog (laughs) and every, and he also sells weed in his backyard, but every so often he will tell people that he was the one to steal the Pam and Tommy tape, but nobody believes him. And I'm like, if you think you did something shitty and it was the worst thing that you've ever done in your life, why would you go around telling people that like, oh, guess what? I was the person that did that. Like you obviously don't feel bad for what you did. So why is the show trying to make him out to be like this really sympathetic character that realizes he did wrong in the end? And it it's just, it's also so crazy too, because we've talked so much in this episode about the camp and the writing and those situations. And Rand is a crazy character. This is a crazy dude who literally put like a white rug over himself to act like the household dog and sneak into Pam and Tommy's home and steal he did actually sex do tape. that. That's real. That's a real thing. That thing in the show, that's real. The scene where he's eating the cherries of Everclear from the Italian mob boss, that's real. That was in the original article. But then there are other things that the show just left out. And I want to know why. Because I demand being able to see Milty and Rand take destroying the original tape, the original Pam and Tommy sex tape, and destroying it and sprinkling the ashes of it at fucking Six Flags. Because that's a thing that happened. That's what happened to the original Pam and Tommy sex tape. Milty and Rand that's true. destroyed it at fucking Six Flags. And yet, on that's Magic Mountain. The show. On Magic fucking Mountain. Like, <laughs> which, um, like, you know how Seth, the evil capitalist of it all, was meant to have asked for the original version of the tape? There was no original version of the tape. It was gone. It was at Six Flags. It was gone because they threw it it off of Magic Mountain at Six Flags. Like, I don't know what to tell you. It's absolutely ridiculous. It's insane. It makes no sense. And I just don't understand why this show called Pam and Tommy focuses on Rand Godier because I don't give a shit about Rand Godier. He seems like a terrible person. He is a terrible person. Oh, yeah. He doesn't even care. (laughs) Like, 
if you wanted justice, that's what the legal, well, not really. Okay. They're both white. You know what? That's what the legal system is for. If you're white. Okay. That's how you get justice. So you could have gone to the press and printed the story or whatever you like. You did not have to do that. Mm -hmm. And I'm kind of tired of like, of like people being like, oh no, but you know, he did like, he was wronged and whatever. And I was like, so you steal someone's private property and put it on the internet. Like that's fucking horrible. According to Rolling Stone by the nineties quote, Gauthier had gleaming tan muscles, broad shoulders, Mm -hmm. an eager trusting smile and a voice that's equal parts surfer and Ernie from Sesame street. He was also allegedly a conspiracy theorist and spent quite a bit of time hanging around porn studios. So he was not the dorky Seth Rogen interpretation of mm-hmm. him. He was a fucking like regular ass, muscly, broad-shouldered white guy that also liked conspiracy. Like he, he's a QAnut. He's yeah. like the nineties version of a QAnut. Yes. And it's again that idea of this show making villains more hero characters for the sake of a good story. Because that's the same thing that they do with Tommy Lee is they make Tommy Lee seem to be a better person than it seems like he actually is in real life. And they make Ray Godier seem like a better person than he is than in real life. And I don't understand the point of that. I I don't get why that is a better story. Because at the end of the day, Pamela is the biggest celebrity in this show. So shouldn't logic follow that people will be most interested in her story? Also, it's a story that was never told. Yes. Which is the whole fucking point. Tell the woman's story. Because it's the same with Diana, with like the the biopic of Diana. Yes, her story was told, but it was told by the royal fucking family. Tell her story from her point of view. Mm-hmm. I just don't get it. There's like so many um, like stupid things that are wrong. Like, for example, the like there's no reason why they didn't do the magic mountain scene. Right. Like, I think I think, in fact, if I had been one of the writers and I would have been in that mindset of like, this is just kind of a parody, I for sure would have had a. Uh, a scene of Nick Offerman and Seth uh, riding like a magic mountain, like the roller coaster, and then being like, well, I just throw it off. Yeah, bro, throw it off. Like, that's it. Her going Britney 2000 with the anti-theft device in Tommy's car and smashing the Paps windshield completely made up. That didn't really? happen. Interesting. That did not that happen. That was just fake. He didn't get arrested for beating. He, oh, sorry. He uh tommy did get arrested for beating up someone but it was a photographer and not a fan Mm. uh third eye blind so the band that they got put in studio b for yes them and motley crew never butted heads because although they were signed to the same studio third eye blind was in fucking san francisco (laughs) <laughs> and Motley Crue recorded literally anywhere else, but none of those locations coincided with Third Eye Blind. So that that's so absurd. Also, not true. The record that was supposed to be a flop during the show, where you see an employee putting the record in the clearance bin, yeah, that didn't flop at all. It sold half a million certified copies. Wow, certified copies. 
Erica Boye and Rand were set up on a blind date. They didn't meet while he was doing handyman work for her. And also when Rand was looking for a place to stay towards the end of the series, when Butchie and his bestie yeah, were yeah, looking yeah. for him, he didn't stay with Erica. He stayed with a porn director who isn't in the actual series. Erica didn't have as much to do with this. Although I will say it is one of the things that I do appreciate yeah. in the show. Um, she was not as big of a part in this whole debacle in real life, mm-hmm. but putting her in the show was such a good idea because she is literally in a unique position to make the audience and Rand understand the difference between her job as an adult actress in porn, yes, lit- in porn, and the crime that she that was committed against Pamela. Pamela, like, that yeah. was a violent crime. And that's in such a porn, great scene too. Forms. That is yes. such a great. I love them putting her in the show like I yes. know like those are one of the that's a the, good change because that's a change that's a good that change does something that the original story doesn't necessarily do on its face and so having her in the yeah. show is an excellent change because it makes that clear it makes it clear so that, that if you're watching forms yes. and consent to being on camera and the sharing of that footage her job on the show was just so important because as the views on sex work are shifting nowadays, like yeah. our view on sex work is quite different to what it would have been then back in the 90s. Yeah. It's so important for her to be like, no, 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 no. This isn't like Pamela consented to being on the front of Playboy with a picture, like with, with a picture of her like nude. Yeah, that was her consent. She consented to being in front of the camera. She consented to it being stolen, and she not stolen. She consented to it being taken and shared and posted and whatever. Same with, same with her as CJ on Baywatch. Mm-hmm. Same thing. That is not the same thing as even though these stupid penthouse lawyers did in fact try to make it seem like it was the same thing. Um, Erica Boye makes it blatantly clear that no, it's fucking not. A judge ordered that Lee and Anderson be be paid $740,000 each, um, according to Rolling Stone, but they never saw the money. And this was after the tape had been sold to Seth Workshafsky. Who is the capitalist evil villain of the show? Capitalist evil villain. He He is, is. Go ahead. go off fucking awful the slimy bastard is the only one who actually won in this situation the tape made around 77 million u.s dollars of legitimate sales in 12 months in 2002 anderson and lee were victorious in a 90 million uh, dollar lawsuit against him and ieg which you were saying they had to share the money from like the licensing fees and blah 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 uh, they never saw the money because his because Seth's business had already gone under and he fled to Bangkok, where he is believed to still reside today. And yes. the men's health article, by the way, specifically said that, like, lol, if you think that he was bad in the thing, like, he's just as bad in real life. Yes. Biopics. So uh, we, we have a complicated relationship with biopics, I think. Oh, and yes. I think 
Margot particularly. I have so many mixed wanted feelings to about speak them. about this because because you did make a good point on the notion. Mm-hmm. Why the fuck would you like if they're ethical? Why would you fuck with the timeline so much? Mm-hmm. At that point, it's like a fan fiction, right? Exactly. Like, this is a Pam and Tommy fan fiction. Yes, that is such a good way of putting it. It's here's the thing that I was surprised about when I was doing some research is I didn't realize biopics have been around for a very long time. I think so often we see biopics as this like recent conception that is just flooded entertainment media. And they've been around since like the silent film era in the 1930s. They've been around forever. And like Joan of Arc was a very early biopic character. And I do say character because like you were saying, these aren't the real stories. Biopics, I love biopics. Don't get me wrong. I'm a big fan of a oh, biopic. Of I a period drama. Always. I love it. Mm-hmm. I'm very excited to watch Spencer with Kristen Stewart. Like I'm very excited oh, about me that. Too. But the I was also is, really excited for OJ. And yeah, like, oh, and I love, we talked, we loved OJ, both of us. We did. But so I feel like if done correctly, it can do something incredible. Yes. Or does it, or is it just so good that you don't question it? Because this is where I'm kind of thinking like, is it ethical to make a story quote unquote based on the real life of somebody and then change that story to be more dramatic? Is that ethical? And also at that point, what is the point? Because, you know, yeah, I know know the argument. At that point, I would say like, why? you seriously think that this wasn't dramatic enough as it is for the right. person right like if you write it properly you would feel like it was would fucking feel it. dramatic and it's also that thing of like I know the argument can be made well well not everything has to have a point Margot. like you can just enjoy it but when the thing that you're enjoying is like the darkness of someone's life and that darkness or lack of darkness is not being played up as much as it should or is being played up too much mm. is it right to enjoy that just for entertainment value and that's kind of like after watching this, I was like, I don't know. And also Pam and Tommy has come in kind of this flux of recent biopics that have come out. Spencer is one of them. You've got the girl from Play- Plainville with um, Elle Fanning that's going to come out on Hulu. You've got Joe versus Carol. You have a bunch of other ones that I'm forgetting. Oh, um, um, Inventing Anna just came out on Netflix recently. You have all of these shows of biopics of very specific cultural events and those are not all events that need to be covered those are not all events Mm. that have a larger story to tell necessarily about the world they also also, didn't happen that long ago that's such a good that was another point that i think in that youtube video i mentioned she brings up is at least in the case of pam and tommy that was in the 90s that was 30 yeah. some odd years ago or late. They only picked plus. up the, they only picked up the story at the beginning of 2021. Like mm-hmm. they made casting announcements towards the beginning of 2021 and then filmed from April to July of last year. So and they first started talking about it in 2018 too. Yeah. So it was still a significant 20 years and the public perception of the whole thing has clearly changed. And I did, I think I did mention this in my notes that Mm -hmm. this, like, what was the target audience for this? You know, that's such a great point. Who was this meant to be for? Was it meant to be for the people that were alive? The actual scandal 
to like rewatch the show and feel more sympathy for the people in it or feel bad but like really the problem is that it made them feel bad for Rand as well because of Rogan's portrayal of him but like if this was meant to be kind of like and once again I'm bringing it back to OJ because it did bring the story to light for a new generation Mm -hmm. I didn't know that much about OJ um before watching it but and I think the public perception has changed over time. Yes. But the question that I say is like, this, like, if this wasn't meant for those people that already lived through it, because they were mm-hmm. like, because it's meant to be kind of young and vibrant and whatever, it does give those vibes of youth and fun and whatever. Was it meant to be for us? Because well, and I think in that case, I, I know think it did its job. I think it I think it did in part because I didn't really know who Pamela Anderson even was. Like I knew the name, but I could not have told you before I watched Pam Tommy that she was a star of Baywatch. I would not have been able to tell you that. So I mean, I do, I'm slightly older than you, so I'm yeah. going to chalk it up to that. I mean, or I'm just stupid. It's either one. But you know, those were not like I knew I knew her name, but I could not have told you, oh, that's Pamela Anderson. I was interested in the show because of Sebastian Stan. And that to me oh, is no, kind me of the signal of it kind of, I feel like because of that, it is in part. And Lily James, who is yes. like, who wasn't she become, Cinderella? She was Cinderella and she was also young Donna in Mamma Mia. So she has become quite like a staple to our generation. And that's kind so, of when you cast those actors, to me, it's like, what regardless of what your intentions were from the beginning by casting those actors this audience grows much younger yeah because we watch I watched the show because Sebastian Stan was in it and I know there are a lot you watched it for that reason there was a lot of people I know on the internet who were like oh yeah I only watched it because of Sebastian Stan and so it's kind of like I feel like there's a disconnect I feel like the show in some sense thinks it's going for an older audience but it's not but it's not because I think this isn't going to impact us at all like in fact people of our generation are more likely to not like this show because it's like it's portrayal of people that are dickheads in real life it won't make an impact for our opinion of Pamela Anderson because even if we didn't know who she was we would just assume that women are screwed over and yes. get the short end of the stick in literally anything, anything and everything they do with sex or sexuality, nudity, their bodies, whatever. So none of this will come as a surprise to any one of our generation. Not so to mention, if not to mention, by the way, our generation knows that pornography and nudity is, we know about revenge porn. The, there are stories that are more recent that we have heard of, that we've heard of in our personal lives. Think of euphoria. Like we know that you like sexual imagery, how that can screw over your life. We're aware of that. And so I think in a sense, it's interesting that this show shows you kind of where that started in a sense. Yeah. But we know that story. That's not new to us. I would have preferred it in a documentary format for those reasons, which for sure. Which is a good thing. I would have loved, you know how they did the Boeing documentary? Yes. I would have loved to see one of those. Well, you know, the whole thing. it's good with that like you feel that way. And whatever. It's good that you feel that way. You know why? Actually. Because Netflix 
is announcing has announced um a pamela anderson documentary in which pamela anderson is an active part of pamela anderson has said she was not a part of pam and tommy pam was a part of the netflix show that's coming out um finally i think it's really interesting this kind of reminds me of the if you remember the fire felt like music festival documentaries where hulu had one and netflix had one and people were watching both and this gives me the same vibes um in case you're curious um i do believe that this documentary is likely in part a result of pam and tommy just based on timing so um pam and tommy was announced in 2018 um the finale the first episode aired february 2nd 2022 and the last episode was on march 9th 2022 the announcement for the netflix documentary was on march 2nd 2022 um and pamela anderson wrote on her instagram my life a thousand imperfections a million misperceptions wicked wild and lost nothing to live up to i can only surprise you not a victim but a survivor and alive to tell the real story and I'm just really excited to see that documentary. I'm so excited. I'm literally so excited. I and think, it, yeah. I think, especially with the timing, it's going to be a, oh, y'all fucked up the story. So we're going to tell the real one mm-hmm. and you are going to look bad. If Hulu yes. isn't shaking in oh, their little boots right now, they should, they be, should be. Because let me tell you that the second the Gen Z sees this documentary and realizes how fucked the show is they're gonna come for hulu (laughs) they're gonna come for sebastian stan they're gonna come for lily james and i think that's unfortunate now as if they knew what the what the writing was before they signed pam and tommy is to the scandal as bridgerton is to the regency era yeah absolutely yes but here's my drop okay with one one condition pam and tommy is presented as way more realistic than bridgerton ever has been it's always mm-hmm. been clear with bridgerton like this is a fantasy so we can ignore racism this is liberal fantasy literally it's liberal fantasy but we can but pam and tommy is not marketed in that way pam and tommy is marketed as the real story the story you didn't yeah. know, the greatest love story of all time, Pam and Tommy, is not marketed as Bridgerton. And so, yes, I, I like your analogy, but I do tweak, a teeny tweak. Like, in terms of the realism, sure. that's it. But if they, for sure, but it was the way that they marketed it. Yeah. It just wasn't, it wasn't. Okay. Overall thoughts. Um, go ahead. Like I said, it's good. If you take it for what it is, a liberal fantasy, like deeply problematic biopic that Mm -hmm. doesn't reflect anything and you do need to do your research, obviously. Um, I think what it did do was express how Pamela was affected by it. I think her little monologues where she was like, it doesn't affect you, Tommy, as much as it affects me. I think Mm -hmm. those were great. I think the that's probably one of the bright sides of the show. I think Erica Boye was another bright side. Um, and yeah, I would recommend it simply because of the performance of the actors. If the actors were not on it, were not on the project, in the project, I would say absolutely the fuck not. And I would tell you not to watch it and wait for the 
Netflix documentary on Pamela mm-hmm. herself. Um, but because of, you know, my bestie, Sebastian Stan, I love you. If you're watching this, please come to Ireland. I'm going to have to stick with my rating of uh, Fungi Gets Trapped by the Fish Farms of three and a half stars. Yeah, I'm gonna have to stick with my rating. On here, I put 2.5, but after talking about it, I'm re-enraged. So I'm gonna have to stick with my rating of um, a Blobfish Cruise, two stars. Blobfish Cruise? Blobfish Cruise, just because it's not about Pam and Tommy and it's about rant. You know, my favorite part of the show was Lily James's performance of Pamela Anderson. And yeah, I, you know, it's one of those things where she, I think she's not the problem. I think she's great in the show. Um, and- Honestly, I do my ratings like gymnastics where you have deductions and then you yes. have bonus points. So at first I was like, I think I was at around like between Blobfish Cruise and Fish Farms. Yeah. Um, but then the fucking makeup, the prosthetics. Yeah. Well, I was and like, that was so good the too. The artistry, the artistry gets it a bonus. And I will say, I do remember that in episode one or two, there is this insane scene where they have them doing like mannequin challenge sex positions. Do you remember that scene? Where they're in the hotel room and they just keep pausing the shot all around. Oh, yes. That scene was so fun. That scene's insane looking. And and, like, it's a good time. So there's good, like you said, artistic elements, but- this is not like a that's story. the only that's reason the only good. my yeah that's the only reason my rating was not the same as yeah. yours and it's just I would have given it a good blobfish cruise if I didn't have incredible yeah. respect for like the artist respect it it's just it's not enough for not me a, to give the show yeah. more points yeah because it's just like it shouldn't be on the viewer to do the work to understand what is happening it should be on the writers this is supposed Once to be again, a biopic you have to tell yeah. the real story, not the story that you want to tell. You and know? if you are going to do that, don't call it a fucking biopic. Right. Tell Once it again, I have, to, I have to like specify it is 7 p.m. here. Like we've been recording for almost three hours. Mm-hmm. And most of that wasn't even us like giving our so much of our opinion as it was being like this is inaccurate mm-hmm. it should not if you're going to call it a biopic you you should not leave the viewer being like right I'm going to go I'm going to find something else to research I'm going to find like what really happened that mm-hmm. shouldn't be it so yeah yeah um I think that kind of brings it to an end I think this uh, was a great intro to the under the scene theorem yeah if you will theorem yeah structure um structure our ooh, our next under the scene will probably be bridgerton because it comes out two days from the time that we're recording I'm this i'm going to die i'm so nervous because i'm, I'm like, going I to die. binge it all in one setting but will i be able to have the time i'm busy i don't know so you're on spring break but it, it comes out Friday and I have tons of plans and then I'm going to get on a plane and I can't watch Bridgerton on a plane. What if there are children behind me? 
What do I do then? It's Anthony's season, okay? He might be screwing people on trees again. And I can't subject children to that. I can't subject my neighbor in the seat next to me to that. Anywho, we'll probably be doing Bridgerton next. I know we also talked about doing Euphoria once you watch season two. I still have to watch season two. Yes. So maybe Although I do be think- waiting for that one. I think that's good to wait on that one because I think so there's so many good like essay videos coming out that I keep mm-hmm. consuming um, because they're really well done, but I would love to discuss. Um, so yeah. Uh, yeah. Fun uh, Margo, take it away. Okay, you guys can find us on Instagram at Oceans Apart Podcast. That Instagram, we're really trying to make it a thing. It's really hard to grow a podcast. So please, please, please go follow it. Also go follow and interact on our Twitter or Twitter. Twiddle? Twiddle. Twitter at Oceans Apart Pod. It is there's so there's not enough of you on there. You guys are really slacking. You really need to get on the Twitter. It's really upsetting. It's so hard to grow on Twitter. Yeah. Get your butts over there. Um, if you have questions, comments, and concerns, you can email us at oceansapart1353 at gmail.com. Um, just, we're really bad at checking it, and we do have an email to respond to, so it's totally fine. But um, just if you do email us there, give us some time. We're slow. Yeah. We're really fucking slow. Sorry about it. Um, we, yeah. We, like, keep in mind, this is a fucking hobby for us. So, like, this is a hobby. We- college students. <laughs> We're not the most reliable bunch. So with that Um, said. Thank you. And thank you. We'll see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye.